good morning, everybody. It's good to be uh, good to be here, and I'm enjoying a beautiful Sunday morning outside together. I enjoyed hearing uh, what stood out to you in Psalm 19, and we'll probably reference some of that uh, later on um, in our study this morning. So I wanted to start, and uh, I want to tell you a couple of stories that will make the um, actually skilled deer hunters among us cringe. And will leave you amazed at my deer hunting skills uh, by the time I'm done telling you two hunting stories. Um, so uh, when I was around 13 or 14, uh, Nate's brothers, uh, Tim and James, decided they were going to get into hunting. And, and I, you know, enjoyed being with them, thought, you know, I'm going to get into hunting too. Took a hunter safety course and embarked on my, my long and fun hunting career that didn't last real long. But I did actually shoot two, uh, two deer, and I want to tell you about that this morning. The first deer that I shot uh, was thanks to Alfie. He took me up to Oakland, and I don't know, I would guess I was 14 at the time, and I had not been out hunting, so Alfie was up in a tree in a deer stand, and I was down beneath him um, since this was my first hunt. Somewhere along the line in the morning, a deer was relatively close to us that I was not seeing, and Alfie really was trying hard to help me get a deer. And at one point he's up there and he picks off some bark and he's dropping it down on my head, trying to get me to look so I can figure out where the deer is to shoot it. I did not get that deer. But later on, uh, due to my skill, they did a drive and a deer was right in front of me and lo and behold, I actually shot the deer. Um, and, and that was the first deer that I shot. The second deer I shot was here in Catlett and I don't even remember all of the details of who we were hunting. Again, I was out with Alfie and uh, who we were hunting with. I was out with Alfie. Didn't see any while we were out in the woods. We were leaving about dusk. And the guy who lived on the farm was like, hey, you know, look out, there's a deer. Do you want to shoot it, Ivan? So lo and behold, I, I shot the deer. Again, thanks to my skill, I was able to bag that deer. And that was about the extent of uh, my success hunting. I hope it's very clear to you by now that me shooting a deer had nothing to do with me understanding what needed done and even knowing what to do and understanding deers, um, the habits of deers and how to, deer and how to go about it. And I was thankful. I was with people who understood what was going on and knew what needed done. Do you ever come across situations in life where it's hard to understand what's happening and exactly what to do about it? And in situations that are far more important than hunting, do you ever look around and say, I really just wish that I understood this better and that I knew that I knew what to do about it? So a lot of situations in life, again, have much higher stakes than hunting. But what is it as you look around, maybe in your life or in the world, do you just say, boy, I just, I wish I knew what to do. And I think if we are honest, we probably all feel that way. So this morning, I want to look at parts of a story in the Old Testament, and then I want to um, shift gears and look at some things that hopefully will help us to understand situations and what, um, what to do about them. So I want to look at 1 Chronicles 12, and I will say today, it's not that there is a, a text that we're going to go through. We're going to reference a few, um, a few different texts um, and things along the way. So in 1 Chronicles 12, just a little background. The children of Israel had wanted a king, and so Saul is, is installed as the king. And we, I think we all know the story that he did not follow God with his whole heart. And the kingdom was taken from Saul and his family, 
and David is anointed king, but it's not a smooth transition. Uh, Saul actually pursues David for a long time trying to kill him. And eventually, uh, Saul is killed in battle. And in, in 1 Chronicles, actually in, in chapter 10, where we read these uh, words in verses 13 and 14. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. So clearly God is saying Saul did not seek him, and that's what ended up costing him the kingdom. So Saul is dead, and when you, when you think about the story, how do you envision David becoming king? Is this um, Often I think I read over this and kind of forget some of the details of how this came about. So David is anointed king. Um, did anybody else remember the fact that David is anointed king over only one out of 12 tribes? It wasn't a neat transition that all 12 tribes came together. So he's anointed king over one, one tribe. And uh, the leader of the army makes one of Saul's sons king. And the Bible actually tells us that there's war between the house of David and the house of Saul that goes on for a long time. And Saul's house grows weaker and David's house grows stronger. And at one point, uh, Saul's son is assassinated. And the two men that do it come to David, and David puts them to death for assassinating the king. Does this start to feel like a confusing situation of what, how does this resolve? What do you do? Does this sound like a lot of turmoil? And this is what I, I kind of forget, but it was seven years until David is actually king over all of Israel. And uh, so Saul's son dies about two and a half years after him. So there's about four and a half years where I don't know what all was going on, but there's lots of turmoil um, during that time before Samuel actually, uh, before David actually becomes king. So there's turmoil, there's conflict, there's hard feelings, there's upheaval, there's lots of opinions. How's this all going to work? And that's where we pick up the story in 1 Chronicles 12. So David is in Hebron where he was king. And we read in verse 23, these are the numbers of the divisions of the armed troops who came to David in Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul over to him according to the word of the Lord. And we're not going to read all of this, but there are about 350,000 soldiers who come to make David king. And we're going to hear about the different, the different groups of soldiers that came to, to make him king. So, uh, and it's going through the, um, through the tribes of Israel. So here come the men of Judah, bearing shields and spears, 6,800. Um, 6, then the Simeonites, men of valor and war. It goes on to say, a young man, mighty in valor. And then of the Benjamites, the kinsmen of Saul, 3,000 of whom the majority had to, at that point, kept their allegiance to the house of Saul. And then the Ephraimites, and you know, on and on, these, these men who are mighty for battle. They're equipped for battle. They're ready. And then in verse 32, we read a very unique, uh, a unique verse in what I want to focus on today. In verse 32, of Issachar, which is a tribe of Israel, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. So I want to just focus a little bit on, on Issachar. Um, and I know that's a name that we don't hear a lot and what the Bible says about them, that they were men of understanding. So 
you have all of these soldiers coming together and they're ready to make, make David king. And there's all this conflict. And thankfully, God sends 200 men who understood the times and knew, and knew the right things to do. So in a situation, um, and you can just imagine how if there wasn't people with clear wisdom to know what to do, how this situation could have blown up and went downhill fast. After seven years of war, all of these warriors are gathered together, and it, it's a situation that could, you know, could end up going downhill instead of, of working out right. But God sends men of Issachar. And I just want to think a little bit about what God says about these men. It says that they had understanding of their times. So that means they had insight into, into what was happening. They were, they were full of prudence. Like they, didn't, or they understood what needed done in response to their time. The root word means that you're able to look at a situation or at a thing and separate it out into parts and actually understand it. So is this something that is needed today as we look around us in the world and, and closer to home and what's happening for, for those of us that are following Christ to be able to look at a situation and to break it apart and to understand the different parts and understand what is happening. So they were able to understand the time and beyond that, they were able to know what the right thing was to do. And I'm fascinated that the Bible separates those things. I think it's one thing to look at a situation and say, aha, this is what is happening. But it's another to know, now what is the right thing to do in that situation? And the, these men understood what the right thing was to do in the situation. We're told there were 200 chiefs. So they were, you know, we don't know much about it, but they were obviously very, um, they were very organized in how they functioned. Um, they were unified. And it says that all of the brethren under their command, so I don't know if that means that they all came with them or if they were all available. Um, but either way, these, um, the rest of the tribe was available and they were under authority. They knew what it was to, to follow the lead of these chiefs. So, we really don't read much else about Issachar. Um, we know that they had a lot of, of capable soldiers uh, somewhere else. I think in Chronicles, it actually tells us that they had 87,000 men who were able to fight. Deborah, the judge, is, is from Issachar. And um, the tribe of Issachar um, followed her and supported her in this. So it was at a very crucial time in, in Israel's history that God brought these men that understood the times and understood what, uh, what needed to be done. So I'd like us just to think a little bit about today and what's at stake if there is in a country, if there are not people who understand the times and what to do. Let's break that down a little bit. What's at stake in a business where there's leaders who don't know what to do? And you know what? A business will quickly become irrelevant if you don't understand the times and know what to do. Well, let's break it down a little more. What happens in a church if, as a church, we don't understand the times? What's at stake? What becomes at stake for families who don't understand what's going on? And then what's at stake for individual believers who may not understand the times or what to do? And my point is that it, there's a lot at stake when, the, when, we, when we don't understand 
the times we're living in and, and what to do. So here's a case where I wish we were inside. I wish uh, it was a little different format. I want to invite some discussion, and I wish I could break you up into little groups, have you talk about it for a couple minutes, and then report back. But I'm going to just open it up, and I'd like to hear from you. So we, we heard the story of what Israel was going through. God brought along 200 men that understood the times. Thinking about today, um, I'd like to just hear a little bit of discussion. Is there something that has been helpful to you in understanding the times that God has asked you to live in? What has been helpful to you? And as you look at your life and around, what makes it difficult to understand the times and what should be done? So there's a kind of a positive and a negative question. What has been helpful to you? And what do you see as a difficulty in today, um, understanding the times and knowing, knowing what to do? I haven't given you a lot of time to think, um, but I'm curious what comes to mind. Um, or if there's another aspect of this that you want to talk, speak to, that's fine. What has been helpful or what is difficult? And I know you weren't planning to come. You weren't thinking about Issachar before you came to church this morning. So. And I'm... I, you can think big picture. You can also think very small into just your your everyday life. So, what is helpful? What is difficult? The one thing that's helpful for me is that just going back to that: what is my trust in God, and what do I believe about God, and whether we believe He's in control or not, and mm-hmm. whether we can rest in the fact that God is who He is. Mm-hmm. So Dave is saying, coming back to what do I believe about God, I'm able to trust God is in control and rest in that fact and who he says he is, um, has been helpful in, in understanding the times. <clears throat> Anyone else want to answer helpful or difficulty? Thank you, Darren. Darren is reminding us that God doesn't change and that it's helpful to even to look back 
and realize that God has, has brought believers through all kinds of situations in the past that the specifics may be different, but yet they aren't all that different um, from what, what we may face today in some ways. So I don't know if that's a fair summary. Thank you, Naomi. It's an interesting point. So she's saying history, but also prophecy taken at face value brings clarity and an understanding of of the times um, that we are living in. So, yes. Amen. So she's, Jean, yes, thank you, Jean. So the reminder is going back to, going back to the Word of God and, and the fundamentals of, you know, of praise and a number of other things, and that actually helps to navigate the times that we're living in. Yeah, and I, I will say more about this later, but I, I agree that often times change all around us, or they feel like they do. They change very fast. And isn't it interesting? I think we actually have to go back to what doesn't change to understand the times that we're living in. Um, it, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll cover a little more of that. But yeah, we have to go back to what doesn't change. Thank you, Wayne. So a reminder of understanding human nature and the propensity or the draw um, towards sin, I guess, is, is what you're referencing, and that human nature also has not changed. So God doesn't change. His Word doesn't change. Human nature has not changed. Um, and that does help us to navigate the specifics of the times that we live in. Thank you. So one of yeah one of the negatives we we have we hear so many things so that's a negative. But one of the positive we also have access to um, a lot a lot of good teaching. And Trefina is saying that for her to pick several that she trusts to hear from has been helpful. 
Good discussion. Anybody have something else uh, that you'd like to add? Thank you, Pete. Talking about uh, changing times and being aware of persecution around the world and praying for believers there just because of the encouragement of that. Rachel? Yeah. Yeah, a great reminder that God holds it all, you know, whether it's health or other things, God holds it all and that does truly help us navigate what we're facing. <clears throat> all right, thank you very much for being willing to share that. Um a lot of common themes and uh some of what I had thought of as well. Um so we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. Um so yeah, I just I want to uh, shift gears and continue the discussion here of some things that came to mind of how do we so how do we live as as men of Issachar or as a church similar to Issachar and understanding the times and knowing what to do. Um, and so I'll just share a few of the things that I have that I've thought of and the one the one place that we'll start is I want to just read the other one of the other places that we read about Issachar in Scripture. And that is, as, um, as Jacob is dying, he is blessing his sons. And there's a blessing for Issachar that I think might, might help us understand one of the things that maybe help them to understand their times. And, and please know, um, the blessing is a little hard to understand. I don't want to go too far with this, but it is something to consider. So in, in Genesis 39, um, like I said, Jacob is ready to die. He's gathering his sons around. And he's saying he wants to, he's recognizing what's happened in their life, but also wants to speak a blessing and a prophecy over them. So in verse 14 and 15, he's going to talk about Issachar. And he says, Issachar is a strong donkey crouching between the sheepfolds. He saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. So he bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant at forced labor. And on the surface, in today's world, that feels really odd as a blessing. Um, and, and Jacob goes through and picks animals for his sons. And in our culture, being chosen to be called a donkey would not be a positive, to say the very least. But thankfully, we have to understand in their culture, this is a positive because a donkey was used for work. Um, and a donkey was actually used um, to protect other animals. Apparently, a donkey is is skittish about uh, foxes and wolves and coyotes and those kinds of things and would be used to protect um, other animals. So, Jacob is saying about Issachar that, uh, that he is going to be willing to, be, to lay down between sheepfolds and act a bit as a protector, or in other translations would say to lay down between saddlebags and be willing to work. And so 
I guess the principle, and again, I don't want to go too far with this, but the principle that I would see here, if we're going to understand the times, is that we have to be willing to care for and to work for the good of other people and not be self-focused. And I think that that maybe is one of the things that actually allowed Issachar to understand what is good for all of Israel, is that they were, they were not focused on themselves. So that, uh, that would be the first thing I see uh, in looking at, at Scripture, is just a willingness to serve, to protect others, um, and to put others first. And again, that is woven throughout all of Scripture. Um, God says we are to love Him with all of our heart, to love our neighbor as ourself. The idea of loving other people is there um, all through Scripture. Another thing, uh, we've talked some about this, is you know, it says that they did understand their times. And so I think that we do well to attempt to understand our times. Um, and we can't understand everything about them, but to make an attempt to understand what is happening, what is, what's going on in the big picture, what are the ideas behind it, what, um, you know, what is at stake. And so I think we need to do this in the bigger picture, but then also, like I talked about in the smaller picture, what's, what's happening in my family, what's happening in my church. And then what is, you know, in, in the specifics of my life that only I face and to try to truly understand um, what's going on. So I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan, um, but there is a fantastic quote out of the Lord of the, Wing, uh, Lord of the Rings that I think speaks to this. So you have, you have Frodo there who needs to carry the ring and he is, he's discouraged by all of the hardship of it, all of the danger of it. He doesn't like what he's been called to do. And he says, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. And then here is the reply. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And so if our focus can be on understanding the time that we're given, knowing that God is the one that's in control, and we are called to respond to it, I think can be helpful um, in understanding it well. Another thing uh, that I see, and this goes back to the theme that I think almost everybody spoke to, is the theme of looking to God for wisdom and to understand our time. Um, and I want to just share a few verses related to that, um, of looking to God to understand both what, what is happening and how to respond to it. First one is in Daniel 2. Uh, verses 19 through 23, and just listen to Daniel talking about God, how God, what God does when believers seek him. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I will give praise and thanks. I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might, and have known and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. So such a reminder that God gives wisdom. And even speaking to the sovereignty of God, God is in control of times and seasons of kings. Um, and a great reminder for us in this season here in the U.S. Proverbs 2, verses 6 through 8. 
For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. So understanding the times involves um, just a desperation and a seeking of God for wisdom, and he promises to give that to us. An interesting verse that I um, kind of forgot about and had not read in a while is in 2 Timothy 2, verse 7. Um, Paul is laying out all these things for Timothy, and then he just makes this comment. He says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And what a promise that if we think about God's word, that God is actively going to give us understanding in the things that we need, and we can just um, we can rest in that. So if we're going to understand the time, the times we need to seek God's wisdom and not our own. One of the things that, and I had referenced this, is that our times and the situations change quickly. And so I think we want to try to understand them. We want to be informed. And please hear me, there's a big difference between being informed and conformed. So we are called to to be informed about what's happening. But things change really quickly. And one example, we, you know, we could talk all morning about examples of this, but um, Trifina mentioned how much uh, information is available to us. I was amazed that the first radio broadcast of any length was, only, was just over 100 years ago. So think about that. Just over 100 years ago was the first time that people figured out how to broadcast. It was a three-hour segment where they could communicate and broadcast where people could listen. It was 104 years ago. Um, and the term smartphone didn't even exist until I graduated from high school. And the first iPhone, any guesses when the first iPhone came out to where it really started to hit culture? Yeah, 2007 was the first iPhone. It's easy to forget that was 13 years ago. So all of that to say that things change quickly and it's not that it's all bad. So we need to be informed, but I really believe that we have to focus on what does not change to accurately understand all of the stuff that is changing. And that that actually is what helps us to think through um, what is changing. So, and obviously, you know, when we think of that, I go back to God's word um, as what does not change to help us understand. Psalm uh, 119, 104, and 105. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So God's word does give understanding and a light to our path to know, to know where to go. And again, I want to, so just thinking a little bit about the, the men of Issachar and what enabled them to understand the times. And hear me on this. This is tradition. It's not that it is spelled out in God's word, so take it as such. Um, I read a guy who had spent 20 years studying and trying to figure out why did the men of Issachar understand so well what was happening. And in the end, he said that there is the history of, of Israel would point to that they very closely partnered with the tribe of Zebulun. So Zebulun focused on sea trade, and, and they did a lot of commerce. And right beside them was Issachar, and they basically focused on understanding the Torah, and then they, um, they did the accounting work for Zebulun. So they were, they were kind of 
I guess, geared a little more that way. Plus, they set aside their time. And, it, and the tradition would even go so far as to say that they partnered where Zebulun did the commerce and brought the funding so that Issachar could focus on the Torah and on teaching Zebulun. And so there was a real understanding of the marketplace and God's word. So again, hear that, hear that for what it is. That is historical sources. Um, but as I look at this, I do feel like God's word is one of the primary ways that we understand the times and know, and know what to do. So looking to God's word um, as, our, as our authority. And I guess just in, in wrapping, you know, wrapping all this up or bringing this together, what, to me, what understanding our times means and knowing what to do is, is just living out the gospel in whatever time we face. That's, that's what it would look like to me to understand the times and know what, what needs done. That we are, as believers, we are, we're looking around us, we're looking at culture, and we're living out, we're living out the gospel and God's word, regardless of what's going on um, around us, and bringing God's word and the gospel to bear um, on culture. So one, I guess one way to think about this or that is helpful for me in, in thinking about this, and here's, here's where I miss PowerPoint because I would love to, to show an illustration. I'll try to describe it and hope that it makes sense. Josh McDowell talks about um, a concept that I think is very helpful in understanding what this means to live this out. And so he draws three circles, and in the one he talks about, he calls that circle precepts. And those are the direct commands of God. That, that God speaks very specifically to situations. You know, thou shalt not lie, or there's, there's just, you know, all of the commands of God is a specific precept. And then if you go beyond the precept, there almost always is a principle. And that's the broader part of God's word that applies in a lot of situations. So you have the precept that is very specific, and then the principle that goes beyond that. So you go from one circle to the next, but it doesn't stop there. Beyond that, you end up with the person of God because all of, all of God's word and what we're living goes back to a relationship with God and God's person. So does that make sense? You have a precept or a specific command that goes to a principle that applies broadly, but the principle is actually tied in into the person of God. Um, so one, I guess one little example of differentiating between a precept and a principle, um, Chris works in a hospital. And if Chris knew exactly what to do if I walked in with a 102 degree fever and sore throat, and she knew exactly what to do in that situation, yeah, that would be helpful. But I'm thankful that nurses understand beyond just what to do in one exact situation they understand a lot of principles behind that, that I could walk in with a lot more trouble and Chris would be able to help figure out, okay, what are the principles behind it? How does that apply? And so as we think about living out what God wants, we need to know specifically what he says, but then how to apply the principle um, that is behind that. One other example I'll ask, I'll ask the children, um, what are some rules that are in your house or in your family? Are there any, any children here who are willing to say, what is a rule that is in your house? And I want to talk a little bit about the precept and the principle and maybe the person behind that and how we live that out. What are rules in your house? Or do you have rules? Any, any rules at the Wilson's house? <laughs> Anybody brave enough to answer? 
any any rules in any house that any of the kids want to shout out. Wow. Okay, we have some, I don't know, some well-behaved families that don't even need <laughs> rules to operate. Okay, all right, so the Schrock family needs rules. I'll confess that. I'll, let's just, I'll just pick one. Let's just say, um, are you children allowed to hit your siblings? Is that a rule that no hitting in your house? That's probably pretty, pretty across the board, no hitting. So that's, that's very specific, right? Your parents do not want you to hit your siblings. So what is the principle behind that that might apply to more things than hitting your siblings? Do you think your parents talk to you about being kind? And that applies in a lot of different scenarios. So the rule might be don't hit your siblings. The principle is to be kind. And then why is that even a principle? Let's go over here to what is God like? So God's character is a character of kindness and of love. And, of, you know, and so those things are, are rooted in God's character. So anyway, just an example, and I hope that can help us as we try to live out God's word in today's culture. Think about God's precepts, God's principles, but ultimately think about God himself. What is he like? Does this, how does this line up with God's character um, and, and with what God would do in a situation like this? Um, Josh McDowell also, another thing he says that I think is very helpful is that God's truth will always protect and it will always provide. God's truth always protects and it always provides. Always. And so as we evaluate what to do, um, those things are very helpful. Uh, two scriptures yet um, in closing here out of Deuteronomy 10 and Jeremiah 32. Just thinking about God's, God's commandments and applying that in God's character going back to the person of God. Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Jeremiah 32, And they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. So whenever we are living out God's command in our times, it is for our good. Um, I had to think of Psalm 119.11 in talking about this. That in what, when we live out what God says in verse 11, it says, By them your servant is warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So God, what God says always will protect us, and it will always provide for us. There's warning and there's blessing. All right. Um, thank you for being willing to, to share your thoughts and listen. Again, this is a topic where we could go on and on about what it means to understand the times, um, but I wanted to just to share those things. And uh, in closing, I'd like to just spend a little bit of time asking, praying and asking God to give us understanding of our times and the wisdom to know uh, what to do. So um, to do that, I think let's stand. I'll ask a couple of men to lead out in prayer.
just asking God for wisdom for us and understanding. Um, Juan, would you would you open the prayer? Just asking God to grant all of us His understanding. Um, and then Pete, I'll ask you to follow Juan, um, asking for understanding. And Titus, if you could follow Pete and just ask God's blessing on this group that um, that we could understand and live out His Word um, today. So we'll go in that order, and then after Titus uh, prays, we can be dismissed.